My guest today in the show is Ludwig. Ludwig is the CEO and co-founder of Willow, a software company that helps service providers and entrepreneurs manage their social media presence. And Ludwig is coming into us live from across the pond in Belgium. Good, I guess, good afternoon, Ludwig. How are you? Hey, Jason. Uh, nice talking to you. Uh, I'm doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. I was, I was like, good morning. I'm like, no, no, it's it's 4 p.m. there. <laughs> are you on Central yeah, Central like, European time? Yeah. It's, it's like five past four if you want to be very exact. So shouldn't you be at the pub by now? And isn't that what you do in Europe is you go, you hit the, you go have some beers around four o'clock. I mean, that's, that's a, that used to be the case, but like, uh, we, we kind of changed it over a bit, you know, uh, with, with that small thing that happened across the globe. Oh uh, yes. That small, that small thing that happened across the globe. Well, um, so Ludwig, we've been talking about this for a while. I'm really excited to have you on today and, um, we're going to get to know you, get to know more about Willow and, uh, Never know where the conversation is going to take us. So are you ready to go? The journey is the destination. The journey is the destination. There it is. All right. So first question for you, Ludwig, what's something that you nerd out about? Where should I start? I think the thing I nerd out uh, most about is about like um, running shoes. (laughs) Running shoes. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's the first time, right? I don't know. But um, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very avid runner. Mm Mm-hmm. Have been for the last ten years. It really helps me to um, to put things into perspective and to kind of forget about all the daily fires that are part of running a business, uh, running a family, and uh, running a life. I guess in general. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know that it's kind of kind of straining on your knees, and it can be very straining on your body uh, running a mm-hmm. lot, like I do, because I run uh, anywhere between I would say thirty and fifty miles a week. So that's already. Wow. Um, uh, pretty hefty right yeah so i really need to take care of like my knees and like running shoes are the thing that kind of make uh, a ton of a difference so i uh, i uh, i make sure that i know everything about running shoes i wow. make sure that i know about the latest evolutions about the latest innovations mm. and uh, um if you open up my browser uh, first tab you'll see is um runworld.com runworld.com is that a, that's a like they rate shoes and such. This is perfect. I'm going to ask you for some recommendations. And then from there, you and I can go out to these companies and have our episode sponsored. So I've got a dual thing. I'm curious. And also we're going to, mo- we're going to monetize this based on what you say. So what, um, nice. so what's for, so my understanding of running and I hate running, I like cycling. So I hate running. So I don't know anything about running shoes. My wife knows a lot about running shoes. She's run the Mar- the New York City Marathon a couple times, and she had, oh, wow. and she's had foot surgery, so she's very specific about the type of shoes she has to wear when she runs. So I know she knows a lot, and she has a specific brand. Do you have a specific brand that you always purchase, or is it more like depending on the innovation? Well, I I didn't have a specific brand up to like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, up to three years ago, I was always looking at like latest innovations, and it could be very widely different from brand one to brand two. But then um, three years ago, uh, when I ran the uh, Inferno, which is like a race in Switzerland, um, I got familiar with this brand called Hoka. Hoka. Never, never heard of it. Know. Yeah. I mean, there you go, right? There it is. Yeah. Uh, Hoka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Hoka is basically my go-to brand for running shoes right okay. now. And to be very specific, I always go for the Clifton, which is one of their... Um, uh, lines um, because uh, it's a very lightweight running shoe, mm-hmm. but the cushioning it provides um, is it's incredible. Like it's it's such a comfortable shoe to run with. Um, it basically takes a lot of like the the damps that you have when you run. Sure. Right, yeah. it, it basically absorbs them yeah. uh, within the sole of the shoe because That's it's great. pretty uh, pretty big. So basically, my my knees um, take less of the burden. Yeah. Um, plus I, I, I feel as if those running shoes really help me to run tip first instead of heel first, mm-hmm. which is really important if you're running for a, a long distance. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Hoka. Cool. We'll, um, we'll create an affiliate link. We'll put it in the show notes and then yeah. we'll, we'll split, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll split it. We'll tag them and we'll tag them in our marketing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean like the running entrepreneur, like this is the series, right? There it is. The running entrepreneur, uh, Ludwig, you and I are creating a new podcast series. One last, one go. more question for you here. How many, how many miles do you get on your, how many miles do you get before you have to replace your shoes? 
Yeah, it it again it kind of depends on on the shoe, um, and it also depends on like the territory that you're running on. But like uh, for me, uh, if I have to um, put it in miles, because of course I uh, like we're pretty strange in Belgium. We use kilometers. Um, you mean you mean I we're pretty say, strange in America because we're the only people who use the imperial system? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm gonna leave that in the middle, right? Uh, but but anyways, right? You're catching my drift. Um, I would say like 200 to 250 miles. Yeah, that's kind of my. Uh, the spot when I really think about replacing my shoes, and I, I'm I'm really like um, focused on tracking that. Like yeah, I use an app, but I really understand how how many miles or how many kilometers I already have on my shoes. Yeah. So. That's cool. And that's um, as you as we age, the knees are like the thing you that your knee. So everybody that tells me is your knees and your back. Those are the two things when you get old you really want to take care of when you're younger because it will those things will create havoc in your life or will be the thing that'll have you be 75 and doing whatever you want, or will have you be not be able to do anything you want. Completely agree. I mean, that's also like, and I see it with my, my father, right. He was a, he was a, um, uh, a sports teacher, mm-hmm. right. So, um, I mean, he, he, he played soccer professionally for quite a while okay. and he didn't really take good care of his knees and he already had to go to two or three surgeries. Mm-hmm. So, uh, both of his knees are already replaced by um, by by prosthetic units. So I mean, uh, like I saw it like firsthand that like taking care of your knees is like crazy important. Yeah, thanks, Ludwig. That's um, I've never had that. At, like I'm coming up on a hundred episodes, and I've never had anybody say that they nerd out about running shoes. That is one of the reasons I love this question because you <laughs> never know what people are going to say. Never know. That's such a good one. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think, I haven't really had many people say the same thing, which is part of what makes it so interesting is everybody nerds out about different stuff. Um, so let's move along here to talk a little bit about your comfort zone. So besides running a lot every week, what's something that's inside of your comfort zone that is going to be outside of somebody else's? In other words, what's the thing that you love to do or you're comfortable doing that, you know, other people that are like, no, I'm not doing that besides running 30 to 50 miles a week. Um, that's a very good question. Um, I'm going to say like talking to random people Mm -hmm. and random strangers, like I really have no problem, like, um, talking to anybody, like, uh, it's, it's just like, uh, a bit of my character because I'm really interested in like people's stories. Uh, I don't care, you know, where people are from or how how they look or what they've achieved. I mean, I always approach the person in front of me as a person in front of yeah. me, like independent of their past or their present. Um, so I think, I think like, like having no boundary when it comes down to like chatting with people yeah. and like getting to know people, that's kind of really who I am. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. That is something that is definitely in my comfort zone. Too. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is probably, that's, I, I, you could probably figure that out. Yeah. yeah I, I imagine, as a podcaster I imagine, with a, uh, as a podcaster with a show called talking to cool people, where sometimes I have people show up that I'm like, like I recorded yesterday and I never met the person until that moment. We had an awesome episode. I'm, I'm also somebody, I'll, I'll walk in a room and know nobody and have no fear. That's it, right? Yeah. And also like this, this genuine curiosity about like yeah. person, yeah. you know? It's like everybody has a story. It's like like really connecting with someone yeah. and, and like planning with yours. And I, and I can imagine like for you, I mean, you, you've talked to hundreds, thousands of people like with this podcast. So yep. I mean, you had your fair share. I well, imagine. I used to be in sales too. So it's hard. It's pretty. And I mean, you know, we're going to talk more about Willow, but you're in sales, right? As a co-founder of a company, you're always selling, either selling the company. I'm sure you do actual sales, but you're also selling, raising, you know, raising capital and all those things, which we'll talk more about here in a little bit. Let's take a flip side of that question. So what's something that's right. uncomfortable for you? Something that is outside of your comfort zone that's going to be inside of somebody else's? Sitting at a desk. You and I are the same person. <laughs> and yeah, we're both sitting at a desk right now, which is great. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should just fly to Belgium. We can um, do this podcast walking around together or something. That wouldn't that be that something, would be awesome. right? I mean, uh, that would be, I, would do, that be I will do that at some point. That would be really fun. Yeah. But, yeah. I think technologically speaking, it should be feasible already. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really not comfortable like sitting long hours at a desk. I really get nervous when I, yeah. and sometimes I really have to, right? Because, yeah, you know, sure. it's part of the job. Like, <clears throat> Um, but, uh, yeah, it's really not my spiel, like sitting, sitting at the desk all day, like looking at the screen all day. Yeah. I mean, I need to, you know, I need to connect with people. I need to go out. I need to move. That's also why I like running. I need to, you know, I need to explore. Right. Yeah. And I'm at the desk all day. Like I don't feel as if I explored. Yeah. Do you feel kind of- I, I'm similar? Um, 
and that I really liked. I walk a ton. I don't like running, but I walk a ton. And um, I'm curious for you, as somebody who runs a team and runs a company, you're on meetings, you've got an executive team, you're doing these things. So you, you need to be present for them. Do you do a lot of meetings from the phone so you can walk? Are you doing standing? Do you have a stand-up desk? Like, wh- how, do you, how have you built in structure into your, into your life that actually allows you to have all of those things, knowing that you do need to show up for people? Yeah. So that's a good question. So basically, I, I have daily routines that already kind of structurally help me to um, feel as if I explored that day. And they, they mostly start at the start of the day where before, like, everybody wakes up at the house, right? I, I get up, like, 30 minutes um, ahead of everybody else. And then I do, like, my outside meditation um, yoga session where I kind of mm. already, like... Uh, use my body and I, I'm all already outside. So I, I don't feel like I slept, I stay in the house and that's kind of it. So yeah. I already, first thing I do when I wake up is going outside and drinking a, a nice glass of water. So it's my daily routines that kind of facilitate that feeling of uh, being in, in movement. Um, and then like throughout the day, I, I have micro moments, I call them, uh, where basically 50 minutes, um, I never plan meetings for longer than like 30 to 45 minutes. And I use the remainder 15 minutes, for example, of the hour to then walk. You know, yeah. I go out, uh, you know, I go for a coffee. I, I walk uh, across the lake here. Um, so I, I kind of try to, like, find small routines throughout the day yeah. that allow me to uh, not feel stuck at the desk. And then, of course, I have the, I have the, the, the standing desks uh, that, that uh, basically also help me to uh, get up uh, quite often. Um, so for me, it's all about like, like, like integrating small routines and small structural yeah. moments of movement throughout my day that really helped me to not feel zoomed out at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Zone, zoned out. Yeah. You know, uh, depending on how you want no, to. That's awesome. Ludwig. I, I said, if you're, um, mm-hmm. if you're ever hiring for something like what I do, I would love to come work at a company where you only do 35 to 40 minute meetings. I spent most of my corporate career and in sales, like sometimes you have longer meetings in sales cause that's driven by the yeah. customer. But the amount course, of yeah. internal meetings that I've sat in, I'm like, why the F am I here? I need, like, drive me crazy. Um, so yeah, I think that's super that, cool. That's, that's, yeah, pretty funny. You know, I, I learned this thing about um, uh, from from one of our investors, like, uh, I don't know, like a couple of months ago. He was actually, like, playing with the idea of, like, like creating some kind of add-on for meeting software like like Zoom or or what have yeah. you, right? That basically puts a timer at the top corner of the of the of the webinar screen. Yeah. And basically it's a calculator that shows how much time people are spending together in that meeting. And then it basically calculates how much money that equates to. <laughs> that's great. Okay, eight people in this meeting spending an hour, oh. that's eight times, I don't know, one hour is eight hours times. Yeah, times like people are worth four, three, four, five hundred dollars per hour. Yeah, yeah you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And you're like, is this really the way we spend the time? That's, I, um, I want to ask you more about meeting culture because it seems like something you're really passionate about. Uh, I want to ask you more about this after the break. I do want to ask you before we take a quick commercial break about speeches and giving and speaking. And I'm, I'm sure that you do some speaking talk at like networking events. You're doing well. I don't know if you do any other speaking besides that, but if I was to give you five minutes and you could give a speech to the entire world. So we, in other words, all of us out here would hear your message. What is it that you would talk to us about and what would be the thing you'd want us to take away and do? I think I would really talk about like the impact that worrying has on a people or a, a, on a person's capability of fully developing their personality. Um, I think people are institu- institutionally taught to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, we're being taught to worry uh, as soon as we're starting school because we have to worry about like results. We have to worry about classroom. We have to worry about a lot of things. And I think like, like, Without us even knowing it, we develop this intrinsic um, reflex to worry about things in our life. Yeah. Like, is my career going the right way? Like, is this relationship going as I wanted to? Like, like, am I healthy enough? Et cetera, et cetera. So you worry a lot about a lot of things, but it, it's actually like something that paralyzes you to do stuff, right? Because yeah. you worry it's going to hold you back to do things. And I think like if I would give like a very big like uh, – Commemorial speech, it would be like about the impact of worrying on people's capability of like 
acting uh, and 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 fully developing their personality. Mm. Um, well, something I really uh, yeah. When when you're um, as a leader of people and a leader of a company, when you have staff members that you know are worrying about things, and you're coaching them or you're doing meetings with them, do you have anything for them? Do you offer anything to your team if they come in like hey like Ludwig, I'm really worried about making sales numbers or those things. Like, how do you address that as a leader? How can I help? Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. what can I do? Yeah. You know, how can I take this worry away? Like, I mean, share, share with me so I can help. And, and then your worry becomes less of a thing yeah. or it's a, a shared, <laughs> a shared challenge. I also try to really play on the semantics, right? Like when you worry, it's not always a real worry. Sometimes it's a challenge and just like by semantically putting it differently, like you change the whole, concept of like the, the the worry because it's a challenge and a challenge is something you want to solve right yeah. whereas a worry is something that kind of hones in and it's everywhere and it's there when you wake up and it's there when you go to sleep yeah. but the challenge is something that you you wake up to and you want to solve right yeah. so beautiful try to play on semantics too yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of good material written on worrying and how it's um at a subconscious like ego level it's just the illusion of control and most of the thing, not, I mean, there are things to worry about. You're a parent. I'm a parent. Of course, we're going to, I don't know if worries right, but you're, you know, like, as you're, you know, like my daughter just went off to kindergarten and she gets in the bus. You're like, oh, I'm worried that, I guess worried is kind of an interesting word, but hey, like, is she going to make friends on the bus? It's her first time in the bus. Yeah. Like those things, it's okay. But I think that stuff's okay. But what I'm hearing you talk about is more the things that you just don't have control over and the things that like are just unknown in the future, spending your energy on those things just aren't just aren't it's a waste of energy and time is what i'm hearing yeah exactly and like it's 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 it can really eat you from the inside right when you're continuously worrying you're paralyzed that's actually what it is right but why would you worry if you can solve it that you shouldn't worry and if you can't solve it you shouldn't worry neither because you can't yeah right yeah you can't do anything yeah and that goes to the uh the illusion of control all right ludwig we're going to take a really brief commercial break and we'll be right back after this The Talking to Cool People podcast is brought to you by Jason Frizzell Coaching. Jason works with amazing people who are looking to find and develop their passion and purpose and create their journey to wherever it is they want to go. Check us out at jasonfrizzell.com, Facebook, or on Instagram. Jason loves hearing from anyone who thinks it would be cool to connect, to be coached, or to be a guest on our show. Email him at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com or DM him on Facebook and Instagram. And now, back to some more amazing conversation on talking to cool people. All right. All right, Ludwig, we're back. So what do you want us to know about you? Yeah, super, super. Like in all transparency, I'm not that much of a of an interesting person. Like I, I, I am. Uh, other than other I'm than the very... dude who runs 50 miles a week, likes running shoes, has no fear walking in a room. Other than that, Ludwig is not interesting at all. That's that's a that's a funny <laughs> that's a funny response to that. You, you know, you know, I I, I think like uh, um, I hope that John Doe is actually a person out there because I think that the. Uh, being being average is more than okay and uh being average is like completely underrated like um i think we all tend to try to go to certain extremes in our lives and uh you want to be interesting and you need to have something special about you that i think if you're already capable of leading a life where you're happy where you're creating happiness for others which is also super important and if you do that uh very averagely i think you're you're golden you know yeah. like you're gonna have a, a good life um so yeah it's, that's not really an answer to your question, but uh Well it's an interesting it's an interesting answer because I think a lot of people would not relate to somebody who runs a a thriving startup, a growing startup, raised capital as somebody who is average. I think that's something a lot of people aspire to. So it's interesting that you see yourself as average. Because I think there's a lot of people who go who would look at you and say you know, like people that maybe work for somebody else or people that have had that have, you know, statistically in a startup, you're you're not that likely to raise capital. So it's interesting that you see yourself that way when I think a lot of people listening would probably look at you as somebody who's done some pretty interesting things, some pretty aspirational and inspirational things. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm not the best person to judge, right? Yeah. But um but yeah, that might be the case, right? I'm not gonna 
I do see that there's a um, pretty well-established um, community around startups and like uh, raising capital is uh, one of the yeah important things when you're building out a company that goes beyond like uh, the regular SMB business model. Yeah. And, and for a lot of like founders, it's, it's something that they aspire to, right? Yeah. Raising capital and, and getting a certain status when it comes down to uh, that specific stage in a, a startup's life. But yeah, again, for me, like... Um, I'm leading my life. I'm doing what I what I want to do. I'm building out this company. If it uh, requires me raising money, it requires me raising money. Yeah. I mean, uh, but I think it's important to 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 remain average yeah. to some extent. Yeah. Well, what I when I when I hear you say average, what what I'm actually hearing you say, and tell me if I'm wrong, is I'm actually hearing remain humble. I'm hearing humility in what you're sharing. Yeah, I I think like humility as a concept is a really important thing in my life. Mm, yeah, so I can uh, tell. I, I definitely see how, how those things how those two things are 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 connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's um, if you'd be open, let's dig in on Willow a little bit. Share. I'd sure. love to talk about what Willow is. Um, I'd like to hear maybe just a little bit of what 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 was the inspiration for it, and uh, anything else you want to share with us about Willow as a platform because it's pretty it's it's really cool. So I give you the opportunity to talk about this. Well, thank you. So, what was uh, so? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just what? What was the inspiration for Willow? Like, what? Like, how did? Um, how did the idea come to exist? When did you decide to launch? Like, you know, kind of the a bit of the flow is a is the uh, from the birth or the genesis of this thing is like, hey, we should do this thing to like, oh, we have a thing. Like, how did that all come about? Yeah, really, really interesting question. So. Um, so Willow was conceived when I really started realizing that SMBs, right, as solo entrepreneurs, they actually are missing out when it comes down to building out a strong presence on social media. Um, I realized that like pretty late on because quite, quite, uh, quite, uh, quite strangely, I come from an SMB family. I mean, mm. 80 to 90% of all my family members are business operators mm. and they run some kind of a, uh, SMB. Right. And I, I've always been like the, the nephew or, uh, I've always been like the, 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 the one, uh, uh, during family parties that got questions about, should we start a Facebook page? Hey, should mm. we be on LinkedIn? Like, what about my website? So, I've always been like the go-to person for like helping my family members who run businesses with their social and with their social media presence. Um, but it was only when I when I was actually doing social media consulting for large enterprises. So I worked for uh, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, etc. Um, uh, it, it was all only then when I started realizing that like the biggest issue or the biggest challenge. Um, when it comes down to social media and really like harvesting the wealth that social media can bring, um, the biggest challenge is not to be found within like larger corporations, right? Yeah. Because they do have like, they do have like, uh, tons of money. Um, yeah. they do have tons of time and they do have tons of people that can help them uh, with, um, with social media, but it's actually the, the, the you know, the, the smaller, uh, companies, the SMBs that, that are missing out because they don't have like the necessary skill set when it comes down to social uh, they don't have time to really focus on social, nor do they have like the ambition to spend big money on social media. Yeah. And it was actually when I when I was doing the social media consulting with bigger organizations that I realized, wait a minute, this is kind of this is kind of not making tons of sense, right? Because these are not the, the 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 players in our ecosystem that really have a hard time in really harvesting the the strength of social media. It's those smaller companies. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 uh, I put two and two together and then I said, okay, I mean, given the fact that we're living in this technologically driven, um, age, I mean, I cannot, I cannot not do something about this. There needs to be a way of, of like, um, um, leveraging technology in the advantage of helping this underserved community when it comes down to social media, which are the SMBs yeah. and the entrepreneurs. And that's kind of when I started building out Willow. So if you were going to describe Willow to the to those of us here with you in a nutshell what does it do what 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 is what problem does Willow solve and how does it work just a little bit about that Yeah so basically if I would put it in a nutshell I would say um Willow helps you to um share very quality driven content 
uh, on a consistent basis on your social media, mm -hmm. on the channels that matter, based on a certain structure. Mm. So uh, if you put those different things into perspective, we make sure that like there's structure and there's plan, there's a strategy for your social media because you need that to actually have a, a common denominator and something that basically uh, resonates with people and yeah. continuously remind people of who you are. So start oh, okay. Um, so what the way I would um, perhaps describe it, I have a little bit of experience with it is it's not only is it a content calendar, but it's a content calendar that also gives you content to put on your calendar. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great way of putting yeah. it. Right? So it's, it basically covers the structure, the calendar part, and it covers the inspiration with the content suggestions and the social media post ideas. And then also analyzes like your social media. So you always fully understand like what works and what doesn't. And then it optimizes based on those learnings. So it's kind of cool. a one-stop shop for your social media. Cool. What's, um, what's next for Willow? Like, like, like helping as many um, SMBs and uh, entrepreneurs as uh, as we can. That's kind of the end goal. Like, uh, we're on a mission to be uh, the go-to solution when it comes down to social media for uh, entrepreneurs and SMBs. And like, uh, we're not going to stop uh, um, up to the moment when we actually achieve that mission. So, nice. um, I mean, um, I mean, I really, really, really want to help um willow with the willow and like the only concern i have today is that like my range and my 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 bandwidth that i have today is not big enough yet to just globally have all, yeah. help all the smbs and entrepreneurs so i need to get to that stage to to um to help as many companies as i can right because yeah. i want to help we want to help yeah it's awesome thanks we'll we'll um we'll have a link to willow in the show notes people can check it out and uh, and also link to uh, to your page personally. So Ludwig, now I want to offer you the time and place to ask me a question that I can answer for you and everybody listening. So what would okay, you like to ask me about? Yeah. Like, hey Jason, like uh, um, if you would write a song, what would the song be about? <laughs> oh man, man, you got me on the spot. This is an interesting question for me because I consider myself not a writer. I play guitar, I'm a musician, but I am not a writer. And the idea of writing lyrics for a song like makes me that's like an outside my comfort zone. I don't like writing anything. If I was gonna write a song though, I think it would be Hmm. Are you familiar with the Almond Brothers? Uh I'm not, but please like uh They're a very they're, I am asking because they're a very, very American band. They're a southern rock band from late '60s, '70s. They're still um, they're still kind of around, although the the main person died a couple of years ago. Um, so a lot of their songs they wrote were inspired by either their kids or their significant others. So I think I would, and and some of their songs are mostly instrumental, mostly like guitar, you know, like guitar keys. Kind of like Grateful Dead, if you know anything about the Grateful Dead. A lot of their songs aren't really about much of anything it's just really more about the music i think because one i don't really like writing writing lyrics i would write a song that's a little bit abstract that's really a showcase for yeah. musicianship and it would be a little bit letting me off the hook but it's also the kind of music i enjoy the most yeah it makes total sense to like focus on the musicality of music and not necessarily yeah. on the, the the lyrics and the, the content part of music yeah like i i mean i love musicianship like elton john i think elton john billy joel a lot of country country artists, oh, phenomenal lyrics that go with it. Some of my favorite bands, their lyrics don't really make sense. Like ACDC, most of their lyrics are throwaway. They don't really mean anything. Led Zeppelin, I think you could argue their lyrics are important, but at the same time, they're kind of like abstract. Um, uh, like Almond Brothers, Grateful Dead, like a lot of these bands, their lyrics are kind of like, I think they write the music first and they're like, all right, we should probably write some lyrics for this. You know, like some... A lot of like songwriters, they'll write the lyrics and go, okay, what's the melody? What's the chord progression? I would be the person yeah. who'd be like, let's write a really, compose a really cool piece of music. And then like, what are we going to say in this thing? But we know people are here for the guitar solos. Like that. <laughs> would you like be like, 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 you know, you, you, you've created musicality of the music, right? And then somebody comes up with like, hey, Jason, I have great lyrics for this one. What would you say? Would you like, no, no, no. This no, is I would be like, lyrics. yes, please bring them on in. That sounds okay. great. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like that. That's like the low stakes things for me is the lyrics. I mean, if you think about what, what kind of music do you like? Um, that's a good question. So, uh, I'm uh, <laughs> actually like, um, I'm pretty much into, uh, into Belgian techno. Right. Techno is a good example. Who cares what the lyrics are? They don't mean anything, right? It's not about the oh. lyrics. So it's, I mean, most of the time. And where the lyrics are like repeat over and over for four to five to six to 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And it's also because I run a lot, right? So absolutely. I, need to, I need a good, like, I need a good baseline. I need a good beat, right? Yeah, so, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I think you and I are probably on the same page. For me, it's much more about the musicianship than the lyrics. So I would be happy if somebody wants to write a piece of music with me, I would be happy to like help compose the the instrumental and the chord progression and have you come up with some lyrics. So if anybody anybody out there wants to come write some lyrics, come on over. Yeah, hook up with Jason, yeah. right? So I don't like some one of my main philosophies in life, Ludwig, is I don't like to spend time doing things I don't like doing. So, you know, like some people are like, I don't like writing lyrics for music. So I'm really going to lean into that. I am not like that. I'm like, that just feels painful to me. So like, I'm not going to do it. Matt, it's very funny that you mentioned that because yesterday I was at a conference um, where like uh, a lot of like accountants were together focused on like the digitization of their industry. Really interesting, by the way, uh, what's happening in the space. But, um, but anyways, there was a keynote speaker and he was like really like... Um, uh, he was really focused on like instead of trying to develop your underdeveloped like your skills, yeah, you shouldn't do that. You should really focus on honing in and like really excelling at what you're already good at, yeah. like by by design, by nature. Right? Yeah, it's also kind of what you're saying here. Right? Did he talk about? Did he talk about Clifton Strengths at all? That's a uh, an assessment, a personality assessment. Uh, no, he what he he actually he he um. He's he's this well-known um, uh, thought leader that helps like uh, athletes mm. um, with like outperforming what people think that they can oh, yeah. really yeah, nice. possibly do. Right? Yeah. So he was really focused on like we don't try if like if we have like a, a good athlete we don't try to uh, develop like the left leg if the right leg is really the strong exactly. one. Just focus on the right leg. Yeah, right? So that's kind of- yeah. I'm a big fan of that too, and I bring up Clifton Strengths because I'm a one of the things that I am certified in and is. Um, it's through a company Gallup. They're a big polling company, but they have a thing. It used to be called Strengths Finder, which is a pretty very popular book. They renamed it Clifton Strengths, but that's the whole idea. You take it, it gives you a list of 34 strengths and it gives you your top 10. And then it gives you your 24. As I'm working using that tool with clients, the idea is like, hey, Ludwig, you're really good at these things. How do we lean into those and how do we invest in those? And then you either hire other people or you manage the rest of them. And I think a, and I think a, a lot of... I know the way I grew up, not for my parents sincerely, but I think more of my own mindset was like, oh, I have to fix what's wrong with me. And it's not about that. It's like investing in the things you're good at. And then you build a team around you or like, and this is where people I think get into situations in their career where they don't like what they do because they're not actually using their strengths. They're, they're like their strengths that are actually on their not strength list end up being the things they have to use in their job. And so it's not fun. I mean that's a, that really resonates well with me, and I, I think like when you when you like when you put that in the context of leadership, right? It also helps you to delegate, right? Because Absolutely, you fully like, yeah, right. Absolutely, um, it it helps you to understand what you're not good at. If you just accept that, then you're gonna help gonna help you in finding people that are good at that, and then you can delegate certain tasks and certain responsibility to uh, to those people. So I mean, I think it's also important for leadership, yeah, understanding your strengths and not trying to. Just get better at what your your what your weaknesses yeah. are. I mean, absolutely, we're on we're totally on the same page of that. It's a it's a common it's a common thing in um, with my clients is like, hey, it sounds like you're really working hard at overcoming something that's not really in your wheelhouse anyway. How much time? And it kind of goes. It's almost like the meeting thing. How much time are you spending on this thing versus hiring um, somebody, delegating to your COO, um, you know hiring a virtual assistant if it's something that's simple it's like why why are you spending time on that um you and i i think we could probably spend the rest of the time on this but i want to bring it back to you because the people are here for you ludwig not for me so i want to bring it back to you i have a few more questions for you if you've got a little more time for us shoot what is it that you're passionate about Mm, i'm passionate about um creating something from from a blank sheet of paper, convincing others that this idea can really be something, getting other people on board 
to actually bring this idea to life and then building out that that already tangible thing to the biggest possible stage it can be at together with others. Mm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. creating and building out. Yeah. It's like really what I'm passionate about. And it goes from very professional things such as Willow, but it's also like in my personal life, right? Like, uh, like, uh, like finding a, a, a fixer upper, like, uh, seeing what it could be as a, as a nice ho- house or as a nice family, uh, house. And then like, uh, uh, think about the concept, like building it out together with other people, like like uh, ideating and then creating. That those are like two things I'm really, really big on. Yeah, together with running, of course. Yeah. Do you get um in that process at some point? Do you get bored if it feels like you're just in execution mode and you're not creating? Uh, yeah, that that is definitely like something that uh, that um um. That happens, right? I mean, like if you're building out a company, like uh, like you're in different stages all of the time, and some stages require you to execute like something that has been molded, right? It doesn't really require you to reinvent what 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 is there. Like you need to execute, and then like getting bored is definitely something that can happen. Luckily, there's always enough things. That's also the great thing about entrepreneurship, right? There's always so much things going on at the same time that like um, it allows you to kind of. Um, if not in a certain specific part of your business where you really have to execute, there's always going to be another part of your business that you need to reinvent or that you need to invent or where ideation is still really important. Um, but when I'm in full execution mode, like, uh, yeah, I can get bored pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then I find my, I find myself like thinking about other things or trying to find ways to not do that thing yeah. that I'm really uh, already mastering. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Mm. I can get bored when, uh, how about you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm a big I get bored easily. So I for me I need to be creating I need to be well for I think you and I are very similar. I need to be doing it with others. Like all by myself up in my head as not a good place for me. I'm definitely at my best when I'm surrounded by great people. Those great people might be clients, they might be people in the communities that I'm a part of that I use for my business. Um, so that's, for me, it's most important to do things together. And you mentioned that, and that's important for you as well. The second thing for me is, uh, I don't like routine. I like, and I think that's why like what I do is works pretty well for me because in any given day, I do quite different things, record a podcast, then go coach a client, then go do some brand strategy work, then go network with somebody. And then like, I I'm actually doing things that are actually quite they're all aligned to what I want to create, but they're all quite different. And looking at my corporate career, there were times when I got quite bored. It's like, wake up, you open up your calendar, you're like, okay, I'm kind of doing the same thing all day. That's very boring for me. So um, that's part of the reason I, I realized early, pretty early in my career, I guess like 10 years into my career that I'm not a big company guy. I find most big company work to be pretty boring for somebody like me. I think it's great for other people. There's there's a lot to be said there. But um for me, like I was always more interested in start. Once I went to startups, I'm like, I like this because I get to walk in and it's a little bit, it's a little bit more of um, uh, there's a, there's a few more fires which I actually like. I like things a little less operationalized, so you can create and be, always be. I'm also I love to innovate um, and make incremental improvements. That's a, a big thing for me too. That's that's very exciting for me. Yeah, it makes total sense. Like that's also why, for example, like sales so much, right? Because it's Although like like the concept of what you're doing like a product demo or like a, or like a, a demo a demo call or a disco call it can basically like the concept is the same but like oh. what is going to happen within that call is always going to be different. It's always right? it's so, like an improv it's like an improv scene. You have no idea. Yeah, 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 the client yeah. may show up pissed off from their previous call. They may they might have had a bad morning with their you know with their kids. You might have had a bad morning with your kids. And it's like you got to like make it work. So um, yeah, yeah, very cool. What um. Ludwig, what are you most proud of? Um, I think I'm most proud of the fact that, like, um, the ability of, like, um, providing, um, providing an income to other people, mm. like, to Willow, like, helping other people like build out their lives mm-hmm. is something I'm particularly proud of. Like, it's not about the financial thing, but it's more about like, it enables them to live a life. Yeah. Right? And, and we all know that like to a certain stage, like 
you need you need resources to live a, a good life, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy about the fact that I'm able to or that with Willover enabling people to build out their lives. Um, that's something I'm I'm uh, I'm um, pretty proud of. Um, and then also making sure that like my my people or the people within Willow um, are basically developing um, from a professional and from a personal perspective. Like mm. we've had people um, in the company since the early days, right? And like what they tell me every single week is that the, the things that they've learned and how they basically build out a, a skill set that they didn't even knew they had before and that they are now being asked by other companies to consult on topics that they didn't have a clue about before they were, were, were um, getting into Willow uh, is something I, I, for example, appreciate a lot. That's cool. It means that like they've, they basically build a better version of themselves. And I think that's pretty um, gratifying. Right? Yeah. Um, do you, um for your employees, do you allow them to go out and do outside work as long as it doesn't inter- interfere with what you're doing at Willow? Like if they want to get hired as a um, consultant? Yeah, I mean, I, I I do allow that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's it's all about like paying it forward. Yeah. Um, and like you know, we developed a certain skill set within the company, and that skill set is basically then um, uh, present within different people in the company. If a person that is uh, mastering a certain skill set can help a customer of ours, like uh, or like a, a potential other company that is kind of in the same stage as ours, which topic x y or z i mean i i don't i don't see why 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 we wouldn't like um have this person sharing his or her knowledge right yeah. i mean it's it's about paying it forward and i think uh if i would be super strange and say like hey you cannot do this because it's oh it has to do with like uh uh, uh information developed like within working hours and like no no there's no way i mean come on. so i mean some companies do though a lot of companies do that but I, I I understand that like for some certain matters, you know, you need to you need to you need to take into consideration that there's um, that there's IP definitely when sure. you're a product company or a software company, like you're developing uh, you're developing um, IP and you're developing like a technology and like you cannot just go like okay here's the code like take it and like do whatever right. you want with it. Sure, right? yeah, that well, that makes sense. Or, or it depends on your business model, right? There are companies that are fully op- open source and mm-hmm. they just work like that, but they're very community driven. Um, they're very open source and they have a d- different business model than ours. But for example, when it comes down to like reaching out to a potential customers, uh, if another company or an entrepreneur has a question with regard to that topic and they ask me, then I would say, hey, like you should talk to, for example, Victor within within the sales team because he, he knows all about this. So just just have like a chat with him. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's like like this notion of paying it forward is pretty important. Like and also like showing your people that like this is important in life, right? You want yeah. to pay it forward. Yeah, cool. Uh, got a couple more questions for you, Ludwig. Um, next one is to take a look at something that you're afraid that might actually be true about you. So what is something that you're afraid might be true about you? Hmm. Um, so I have imposter syndrome for sure. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this is like I'm I'm pretty um, reflective uh, on myself or about myself. You know, I, I always like um, like am I the best placed person to do the job, right? So like putting that into perspective, like I'm afraid, like I'm not afraid, but like this might come true, right? Yeah. One day I might not be the best placed person to do X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Um, and this is something I'm, 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 I always want to perform and I always want to outperform. And I, I'm like, like, like deep in, in, inside my, my soul, I'm a real crowd pleaser, right? I try to please the crowd, right? Um, sometimes I, I think if I'm not able to, to, to be the guy for the job, I'm not going to be able to please the crowd. And then that's something that like collides with my personality. Yeah. Right? So yeah. That's something I'm very considerate about. Yeah. Um, but I, do, I I also see it as a as a quote unquote strength because I think being reflective about who you are and are you still the right person for the job and it basically helps you to to not just take like stuff for granted and to also like be be critical about who you are and like and and just realize that like I mean there's a a place and a time for everyone and and I mean don't try to be 
don't try to be the person that is capable of doing everything because yeah. I mean, there's no such thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the answer. I appreciate your vulnerability there. I think that's something that, um, I don't know anybody who doesn't have imposter syndrome at some point. I also think that it's something that as a leader that can be hard to wrestle with because people want you to be the, the rock, the confidence, the you're, you're driving the ship. And I think that's really cool to just stay like to, I think a lot of times it's hard for, for people in positions of some sort of authority or status to say like, I don't actually have all the answers. I may not be the right person. Um, I'm struggling because you know that your employees have imposter syndrome too. So to like the bringing in the humanity of like, Hey, like this is something that I, that I deal with. I'm just, I may, I may be the boss of the company, but I'm also just a human with a lot of the same things that everybody else has. So thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I think vulnerability is a, is a key asset and is a very important aspect of leadership too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Ludwig, as we wrap up, I have, uh, Two more questions for you. First one is um, a little bit about the philosophy, kind of like your philosophy on life. And I asked this in a specific way. I asked, like, how do you see the world? I see the world as my oyster. I, I was going to uh, say as a place to explore. You've already you've already clarified and to run to run and explore yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's 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 reality, right? I mean, um, uh, the road less traveled is the most interesting mm-hmm. one, right? And um, I think, like, it's 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 a. Uh, of course, I I I I think that like having the utmost respect for our planets and for climate and uh, everything that basically facilitates us living this life. I mean, it, it all has to do with nature. Um, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for nature, and um, I think a lot of people or more people should have a lot of respect for nature too. I mean. Um, so I look at life as, as okay, uh, uh, an opportunity to explore. Um, the world is a place to explore, but you always have to do it with the utmost respect for the world and for the planet, right? Yeah. So um, everywhere I go, I try to uh, go into nature. I try to understand nature. Um, I try to connect with nature and always try to like um, help nature. So that's also, for example, when I go out for a run, right? Um, I don't just run. Like when I see garbage along the road, I stop, I pick up the garbage, I run. I stop, I pick up the garbage, I run until I see a, um, a trash can or a dump and then I throw everything in there because that's also why I like to explore, why I like to run because I can like help to clean up the world to some extent, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah. um, I was thinking about, as you were talking about this, I said, the thing that came to my mind is, sounds like you were raised well. Like you had some parents who instilled some really good values in you. Oh yeah, my parents are going to be super grateful. Like I'm definitely going to like uh, show them show them this episode because yeah. uh, that means that somebody sees it, right? Yeah. No, well, no, and I saw like so Ludwig's parents. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and 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 that's the thing, right? I mean, um, um, if you look at life as one big adventure, like it also like helps you to understand that like there's going to be setbacks. You know, when Columbus uh, was uh, sailing out, like I mean, he also had some setbacks, right? We all, yeah. we all were all aware with his setbacks. But oh, yeah. like, it was a big adventure and people are still talking about like his explorations and about like the mysteriousness of his personality and like the things that he discovered. But like, I mean, you need to you need to see the world as, as a place to explore and as a place to get to know before you can actually like achieve great things, right? Yeah. Awesome, Ludwig. Where can we all connect with you, connect with Willow, find out more? Yeah, any any place that uh, you want to direct people to, then connect to, connect to you, and connect to the company. Yeah, so 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 Willow is uh, always available um, at willow.co, right? Willow.co. Uh, you can learn more about the company, about like uh, who we are. We have quite some open jobs right now because we're oh, great going, hiring. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. We're, we're, we're really hiring. So uh, excellent. So so that's that's nice. Uh, more people to join the squad. Yeah. And um, and um, yeah. Aside from that, I'm I'm uh, I'm most active on social media on LinkedIn, right? Like, um, so you can you can find me on LinkedIn. That's Ludwig Dumont or Ludwig Dumont, uh, depending on on how you want to pronounce that. Uh, and I'm more than happy to help if I can help with anything. Like uh, again, connect with me on LinkedIn, and uh, I'll see what I can do. Excellent, um, awesome, Ludwig. Last thing for us as we wrap up for today. 
what are some words of wisdom you have to leave us with and keep them short and sweet? Words to live by. What do you got for us? Worry less, do more. Oh, I love that. Four words, powerful words. Awesome, Ludwig. Thank you so much for being on. It was a real pleasure, my friend. Keep moving, keep running, and um, can't wait to have you back on and and uh, check in on you maybe in a year, and we'll see what you're up to with Willow and how many more miles you put on your shoes and, and all that good stuff. Thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, yeah th- th- thanks for having me, and all the best, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Jason. I know you've heard my voice many times in the podcast, and I'm here to tell you about something very interesting coming up. I want to let you know about an incredible opportunity for you to get free tips and strategies to build and monetize your personal brand. My good friend Rory Vaden is a New York Times bestselling author and Hall of Fame speaker, and he and his wife founded a company called Brand Builders Group. And they have put together a huge online summit where they're interviewing some of the most influential personal brands in the world on their never before shared secrets of how they became who they are today. So who's speaking at the summit? We've got Lewis Howes, got Michael Hyatt, Dennis Rodman, Kevin Harrington, Jay Bear, Donald Miller, and more. This is a rare opportunity for you to hear the stories about how they became New York Times bestselling authors, how they built high-paid keynote speaking careers, how they have grown massive online followings, and exactly what they have done to create large, multi-seven-figure businesses. If you're someone who is looking to create any type of influence, you have to check this out. It's totally free. And you're going to be learning from the masters who've actually done this. So I want you to encourage you to head over to the show notes today. And in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to this summit. Again, completely free. Take a look at it. I feel super confident you will find it valuable. And now, enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Talking to Cool People with Jason Frizzell. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a shout out or take a moment to leave a review on iTunes. If something from today's episode piqued your interest and you'd like to connect, email us at podcast at jasonfrizzell.com. We love hearing from our listeners because you're cool people too.